this is Sophie Wilson, and you are listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Support the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast on patreon.com slash slowboatsailing. Hello, this is Linus Wilson. Welcome to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. So, the Slow Boat's been in Panama for about a week. Uh, We've been at the marina at Shelter Bay. Really, the first thing that we tried to do was to check into the country. And we were, I guess, maybe a little spoiled by the ease of the process and also the the lack of, you know, kind of corruption in the process in Cuba. Anybody that knows Cuba that's cruised in Cuba will tell you that the officials there, by and large, are very scrupulous, that the penalties for corruption are very high there and so the process is very efficient and usually goes very quickly and you'll probably be done in an hour. That is not the case in Panama. So it's been a multi-day process in Panama. We, When we went to Providencia, which is a Colombian island, and you may know that Panama is part, uh, used to be part of Colombia before uh, the U.S quote, liberated it, it uh, and now, of course, it's an independent country. But the Colombian process uh, that we had was everybody used an agent and paid a pretty high fee. You learned probably from last episode, it was 180 for us. In Panama, for checking in, it's some people use agents, some people don't. By and large, I had not heard of anybody using an agent to check in. I'd heard of people using agents, and we'll talk about agents in... In next week's episode with Trey Benefield of Blue Moon Adventures, we'll talk about agents. Uh, And he also talks about the corruption he experienced. For the Panama Canal, I think most people would say you need an agent. I'd also heard advice that if you're going to check your dog out of the country, you really need an agent. Checking in, dog's not a problem by boat. But checking out by plane, uh, you definitely will want an agent for that. But I'd not heard of that for checking in. And, it, you know, everything I'd read on Facebook, on the kind of groups that focus on this, you know, it's 105 per person, and it's on Noon Site 2, which is a great place to look for clearance procedures. Uh, and then the cruising permit's about $200. I think it's 197 if you don't do it on the weekend and 205 if you do it on the weekend, something like that. Maybe it's 195 if you don't do it on the weekend. I ended up doing it on the weekend and paying the 205 I also ended up paying an agent. And that was after a really bad experience we had on Friday. Uh, so first we... So this is the process that you have to go through. First, you need to go to your port captain at the marina where you checked in. And if you're in Bocas, I don't know the process because I'm not planning on going to Bocas del Toro on the the Caribbean side. But the only other Caribbean side places you can check in are at Shelter Bay in Cologne, which we'll talk about that is not actually in Cologne, and... Linton Bay, which is only 30 miles up the coast from Shelter Bay. So it's fairly close to Cologne. 
but it's a, it's on an island slightly off the mainland. And so you have a, the option, really, you know, if you're in, interested in going to the San Blas or if you're interested in going through the canal, you really can go two places. You can go to Shelter Bay, you can go to Linton Bay. And there's a port captain of Linton Bay right now, uh, and there's a port captain at Shelter Bay. And at, in, at Shelter Bay, where I was at, the marina I was at, as far as I know, the port captain does not actually issue your cruising permit, but he is really your first point of contact for the process. So you go to him, you give him your boat paperwork, and he'll give you a, a form that has five or six copies, and then you need to present that form to to the particular immigration office that issues the 72-hour visas, and then you need to present that. That 72-hour visa office is it near the Cologne 2000 mall near the cruise ship dock, although it's not actually in the mall, but it's uh, somewhat up the coast from the mall, and that was definitely not made clear in the guide at Shelter Bay. So, on our first day after arriving, I get there early, try to find the port captain that has residence at Shelter Bay, because when we arrived in the afternoon, they said he doesn't work in the afternoon, he only works in the morning during these certain hours, like two hours a day. So I go there during those hours, he's not there. So I go a little later, he is there. He didn't speak very much English around me, and we kind of had not, not an easy time communicating, but he, he filled out my forms and he gave me a packet, and the, the guide that everybody gets when they check into Shelter Bay said, then we need to go to the Cologne 2000 Mall, and to do that, we need to take the, the shuttle bus, which on that Friday was running. It had an 8 o'clock shuttle bus and a 12.30 shuttle bus. And so I missed the 8 o'clock because I needed to go see the, the port captain at Shelter Bay. So me and Stevie got the 12.30 shuttle bus. And that's about a 40-minute ride to Cologne. And it's very slow for two reasons because of the potholes that on that road in the jungle are really bad and they will blow out your tires and mess up your suspension if you are not very careful and so really it's very perilous to rent a car if you're inexperienced with the roads and so we met a couple at the immigration office that gave us our 72-hour visa whose tire was busted and they had to change a tire because they did not know the roads well enough as the bus driver does or as maybe the cab drivers that will take you there. The second reason why the bus to Cologne takes so long is that Shelter Bay is on the wrong side of the canal. It's on the uninhabited side of the canal for both, for the most part. It's in the jungle, and the only way you can get across the canal is either by ferry or you can drive through the Gatun locks while they're closed. And 
ironically, the ferry is the quicker thing. So it's not like Mobile, Alabama, where they have a underpass that goes uh, beneath the ship channel. Uh, there's either ferry or there you have to wait between the ships. And that really adds to the, the process. So even though you're only maybe a couple miles from downtown Cologne as the crow flies, you're and probably maybe five to ten miles by road, you are very far by how long it takes of how slow the, the cars have to go through certain paths and also you're going to get stopped in traffic either waiting for the Gatun locks or for the ferry to get you across. So Shelter Bay drops everybody off at this mall where there's a big supermarket, the Ray Supermarket. So they drop you off at the Quatros Altos Mall which is kind of a, a big kind of suburban type mall where you can get a lot of stuff. Compared to, you know, what we saw in Cuba or Providencia, the Cuatros Alto Mall is an amazing boon to provisioning. So if you're out of food, Shelter Bay might be a good place to go because you get that free bus to the Cuatros Alto Mall and supposedly they'll deliver your food to you if you have a really big load. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. For the immigration, though, immigration and cruising permits are issued in downtown Cologne. And so you need to ask the driver to drop you off in downtown Cologne, and he'll just drop you in the middle of downtown Cologne, and then you could get a, a $2 cab to the Cologne 2000 Mall where immigration is. We went first to the wrong office, and... There was a lady there who does the mariner's permits, and she just talked and talked and talked and said how it was impossible for us to get our immigration done that Friday because it was, I don't know, the afternoon. Uh, so they didn't want to work the last two hours of the day. And she wasn't helpful at all except to say that we had a lot of things that we had to get in terms of our uh, scavenger hunt before they could act. Stevie wasn't really able to make heads or tails of anything except that we needed, like, pictures and things like that. But I read the guide that Shelter Bay gave us more carefully. You know, it seemed like we needed to get a cruising permit. She said we needed to go someplace else for a 72-hour visa. When we went downstairs, somebody pointed us in the direction about 200 yards down the road, uh, kind of past a park. There's a, a gated facility, and that's where you get your 72-hour visa in some sort of white building uh, right across from the car rental places. So that was where we went, and that went very smoothly. Very, We gave them the port captain forms. We got our 72-hour visa stamped, and we, were, we had done that hurdle for the process. Now, that might have been a mistake. So when... I talked to Stevie some more about his previous experience in Panama. He said his previous skipper never got that 72-hour visa until right before they left uh, because it really starts the clock ticking for you. So as you you get 72 hours once you get the 72-hour visa, but if you delay on getting the 72-hour visa, then you don't have to uh, be at risk of violating their rules and 
uh, at risk of getting some fine or having giving the the officialdom some leverage over you for which they could extract more money from listening to this podcast you'll probably realize that i try to follow the the government regulations whenever possible and so you know i got tried to go to legally to cuba etc you know if you listen to dominique and his trip to panama which i think may be in the bonus episode for the patreon subscribers you know he never checked into panama and he said well i i would check in if somebody asked me to check in and that's the thing and in panama nobody's going to ask you to check in you have to go through the process to check in that you have to find them so in in cuba what made it easier was that cubans are right there and they're going to check you in panama you have to go search them out and so if you try to follow the rules you're going to be punished and if you don't try to follow the rules you'll probably save some money and save a lot of time but I planned to stay in Panama. I wasn't just doing a quick trip of the sandblast and then going out the way Dominique did. And you'll also learn that the sandblast is barely under the Panamanian government's control. And we'll get into those issues, I'm sure, later on as we talk more about Panama. So the Shelter Bait Guide tells us that the next step to check in is to get our cruising permits. Right, we got our 72-hour visas, then we need to get the cruising permit. When we get the cruising permit, then we can go back to the very talkative immigration lady, but the not very helpful one, who uh, can give us our three-month visa, which is renewable for a year. You have to go to the Cristobal port captain, and Cristobal is on the other side of Cologne, which is a peninsula. Cologne is a peninsula, and so... We went to the other side of Cologne, that's probably about a 15-minute walk, and after asking directions many times, we find the port captain's office, this blue and white building, uh, which I'll probably put on my Facebook page and show you kind of the pictures of the sites that you will see uh, if you were going to check in to Panama via Cologne. We go up to the top stairs and after asking directions several times, finally somebody shows us into the inner office where the port captain is. And he says, well, we don't have enough copies, so we have to go out and make copies. And he points across the street, and there's this place marked MSC, which is a shipping company, which you can pay them to make copies. Now, they had copy machines in there. You might think that for $205 or $200 cruising permit they may make copies for you but you would be wrong and so we go down we get the copies so we get back it's about i don't know 3 30 in the afternoon and he's like no i'm not going to fill it out today come back uh monday right and i'm like do your job you know you're still open for business we've got all our papers we'll pay the money just do it and of course he's not going to do it and a agent is there, and he says, well, you know, you they have to call somebody in Panama City, and you never know how long that takes. That was kind of clearly a lie, because the agent was there. He was getting his uh, U.S. documented vessels that were under his wing 
uh, approved right in front of us. He came later than we did, but, you know, there was no dice. And the other thing was that we had missed the bus to go back to Shelter Bay, and it's a $25 cab ride, $30 if you give him a tip back to Shelter Bay because it's a 40-minute trip if there's not too much traffic, but it could be, you know, two hours. So uh, it was like a 40-minute trip back. And by this time, Stevie was, you know, didn't think it was worth it to pay $105 to check into the country, and he thought if he took advantage of the 72-hour visa, he could get to, he could get to Costa Rica and and uh, then ch- check back into the country as a backpacker, figuring that if you come by plane or you come by bus, that you're not going to get the same Mariner's $105 check-in fee. And I think that's right, you know, and I, I definitely uh, felt the kind of frustration with the process because by Friday afternoon, uh, we were really not anywhere close to getting the three-month visa. And it was my deal with Stevie that, he needed to pay all his visa fees. I would pay all the cruising permits. I'd pay for all the food, of course, everything to maintain the boat, everything for marinas, etc. But uh, he did have to pay for his own visas, and he decided he didn't want to pay. And that's, that was fine. Jana and Sophie were coming within two weeks anyways, and we really had limited cruising plans, so we didn't need the extra crew, but always told him he was welcome to stay, so I didn't want to kick him off the boat just as soon as we get into port. He had known for four months that the fee was $105, so it wasn't a surprise that it was, the visa fee was $105, although it might have been, he might have just learned that he could have gotten out of the 105 fee by leaving the boat within 72 hours. So the people in Cologne said I had to wait till Monday. Definitely the immigration office was closed until Monday. And so I was planning on doing everything on Monday. I had some issues with a boater that was running their engine all day long in Shelter Bay. And they set off my carbon monoxide alarm three times in 24 hours. And, you know, that was really the first time I'd ever complained at a marina about any of the tenants at a marina. And so I did complain about that. And it's a, it was a, there's more to the story. Had you been following the Facebook page, you would have heard uh, some of the more salacious parts of that story. But one of the doc guys came to ask me about that and he mentioned offhand that he knew somebody that could get my cruising permit that afternoon done for me. Right? And I was like, no way. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. By the time they get there, it'll probably be like five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. There's no way they can get my cruising permit that fast because of course the agent I saw in Cologne the liar, said, oh, well, you have to get approval from somebody in Panama City and they won't do it in the afternoon. Well, that was not true. He introduced me to a cab driver who for $70 on top of the $205 fee would drive straight into Cologne, get the cruising permit and bring it right back to me. And by 6 o'clock in the evening, 
without leaving Shelter Bay uh, and $270 lighter in terms of cash, I had a cruising permit for a full year. So after I had that problem on Friday, I did some more Facebook searching and I asked my own question, but this, these questions were coming up a lot too on that day. And, you know, somebody had mentioned they, you could get a $30 fee for an agent to do the cruising permit for you in Cologne and recommended that. So I knew I was getting a bad deal. So I would say that, you know, if you wanted to have an agent do the cruising permit for you, you could do that probably for less, especially on a weekday. But it was late on a Saturday and I really, the guy had to go special trip for that and then special trip back. And so I, maybe I could have bargained him down but probably not given that a lot, given that situation, given that he had to drive right out and drive right back. Uh, but if you were going in for the day and maybe had other things to do, then maybe you could get it for $30. So I waited till Monday. That was when the not-so-nice immigration lady from the Cologne 2000 Mall said I needed to come back. And so I was there at 10 o'clock in the morning. I had all my copies. I had everything there. But when I get there, she's like, you need a special permit, right? And she prefers to speak in Spanish just to unsettle you, but she'll occasionally speak in English when she wants you to pay her extra money. So for in this case, like she got tired of my high school Spanish and uh, she uh, was willing to speak in English to get that extra $50 in for her pocket. So she said that I needed to pay $155, and I'd never heard of anybody paying $155. She said I needed a special license because I was a captain. So for to be a captain, you need a license, and I needed to give her $50 to get that license. And I need to do some special things to do that, too. And so, I don't, you know, I think the immigration side, it's harder to use an agent. So my agent refused to do the immigration side because, for instance, they had to fingerprint me and it, I really had to be there in person to do it. Uh, so I don't know that you do have agents doing getting your three-month Mariner's visa. Uh, I didn't see any while we were in the immigration office. I also saw nobody else getting a visa at that time, but they clearly... That office processes a lot of people from Shelter Bay, and so they do it, you know, several times a day, every day. It's not something new to them to see a boat uh, from Cologne check in. So uh, she wasn't going to do anything, uh, and she wanted an extra $50 fee. So I said, you know, soy journalista, escribo libro con you <laughs> and uh, you know I, I don't think I would have gotten any progress had I not done that and then I showed him the books that I'd written on Amazon uh, and talked about the corruption in the office of migration they spell it migration instead of immigration uh, and then all of a sudden, I didn't have to pay the $50 fee. All of a sudden, I had all my paperwork in order and I was able to go through. Now, I talked to several people, you know, 
at Shelter Bay, and they've not had these problems. So I would say that uh, my problems were maybe unusual, but they do, I think they do happen. And certainly Cologne has a much worse reputation than checking in through Linton Bay and Portobello. So the immigration is in Portobello, uh, which is eight miles from Linton Bay, and Linton Bay is, is where the port captain and the cruising permits are. So if you go between those two places and there are buses between them that are relatively cheap and relatively frequent, uh, then you probably have an easier experience than Cologne is what I've been told. Uh, that Cologne is kind of, uh, is, is very uh, known for being having difficult officials and you really need to use the agents whenever they're available. Uh, if you don't want to have a really prolonged process. You know, my take on the whole agent thing, I'm not opposed to it. That I I know I'm a gringo and I don't speak I don't speak Spanish very well and you know, you've heard me my English is not so great either. Uh but anyways, uh so I don't mind that. I also don't mind the concept that you're kind of outsourcing something, a routine task to somebody that knows the process better than you. And so I don't have any problem with that. Um, but I think that there's more to it than that, right? So I, I, you know, I think that the refusal of the port captain to process our forms or the refusal of the immigration officer to process my forms, you know, that was because they needed an extra payment, uh, whether it was going through an agent or it was going straight through my hands in terms of the the migration officer. And so that was, that's, you know, I think is probably the more problematic part. I, you know, I think it's great if you can get people to help you out, uh, especially if, you you know, your, your time there is more valuable than money, and that'll vary between the cruiser. Uh, but, you know, so I think I've, you know, read about some cruisers, the money was very tight, they were able to go through the Panama Canal process and they spent weeks and weeks trying to do it without an agent and that made sense for them. But there's a lot of other cruisers and uh, I don't think we're hard for money, but uh, we're definitely at Shelter Bay, I'm on the F dock. And the A docks, the bigger biggest boats, the B docks, the big boats, C docks, a very big boat. The D dock is very big boats, 50 and plus. D dock, right? And that's the fourth biggest boat dock. You know, E dock, you got 40 to 50 foot boats. In F dock, you've got my boat. Uh, so I think most cruisers can uh, afford it if they want to, uh, to pay for an agent, especially if the agent's more efficient than they are and they have a lower cost of time than that. That makes sense. But I, I think that there's more than outsourcing going on there. And so if I had it to do all over again, I would not go to Shelter Bay first. I would go to Linton Bay uh, because, just of the, because of the immigration and cruising permit process. You know, another thing I had to do, which was seemed like a legitimate part of the process, was to get pictures taken so there's a photo place it'll for five dollars will give give you eight passport photos 
and I got those taken for my Mariner's visa. It is in the Cologne 2000 mall. It's a place called Moto Photo, and it's on the other side of the mall uh, where the parking lot, the big parking lot is, and uh, it's kind of by a doctor's office. Okay, so all told, I probably ended up paying, let's see, for the cruising permit and my Mariner's visa, I paid 310 I paid $70 in agent fees, I paid uh, $32 in cab rides, and uh, I paid $5 for those pictures and probably another $5 for copies. So we're talking about, you know, over $400 uh, just to check myself in. Obviously, if you have more people on your boat, you're going to add another $100 per person, $105 per person. So I had intended for this discussion of the check-in process in Panama, in Cologne, Panama, to be a brief talk. Uh, but it hasn't been brief, and so we're going to postpone Trey Benefield's episode until episode 22. I do have that edited, and uh, we'll get to hear him, the first part of his story, next week. You know, I feel like uh, with the boat right now, we're kind of going from cruising mode a little bit uh, into getting the boat ready mode. And... You know, part of that is coming back to civilization here in Panama. Part of that is going to be some outfitting projects that we want to do to get the Pacific crossing ready. I think my wife is, you know, she's interested in cruising, but she's also interested in just seeing Panama. And I think that that kind of fits in our plans that we're not we're not moving the boat as much as uh, we did for instance in the Bahamas or anything like that or you know on some of our U.S. cruising vacations uh, but you know there's a lot to see on the land too you know another thing is what I talked about in my book how to sail around the world part-time is that outside of cruising season and we're outside of cruising season and Panama is a major destination for boats that want to be out of the hurricane zone during hurricane season, and that's the off-season for boating. And in the off-season for boating, it's really hot, and it's really hard to stay away from a marina in the sense that you're going to be on the hook, and it's going to be really hot. And so I kind of hit that point kind of midway through our Providencia stage. I just got tired of sweating constantly throughout the night with completely soaked sheets and I started running the generator and using the air conditioner that's the same kind of thing I think you have here in Panama going on that if you're a hardy soul and you can sweat it out then yeah you can cruise around the San Blas and depending on what you want to do and how much you enjoy that then that's that's great and so my episode two and three guest Tate McDaniel did that he did that in the rainy season in the San Blas had a great time brought back lots of great pictures caught a lot of fish had a great experience 
I'm not sure that that's what I want to do, sweat it out in the sand blast uh, for X number of months. Not that I have X number of months. I'm running out of time as the summer ticks away. If you're not moving and you're staying in, say, one marina for a long time so you can run the air conditioner and have all the conveniences of marina life, then you're not cruising and then you you kind of become a, a liveaboard. And I think that happens to many boaters in the off-season like we are right now, that you that they they're not really cruising in the off season they're being liveaboards for the bonus episode for the patrons of the podcast those that pledge a dollar or more on patreon.com i will talk about telecommunication issues that i learned this week and i'll also talk in detail about why we're postponing our Panama Canal passage until 2017 and the facilities available for boaters who want to haul out or store their boats in Panama or Ecuador before they cross the South Pacific. Check out my book, How to Sail Around the World Part-Time. This is available in Kindle format, paperback format from Amazon. You can also get it as a MP3 download at Amazon, or you can get it as a album in iTunes. You can check out my book, Slobo to the Bahamas. It talks about how I started sailing. It's a funny look at uh, sailing in small boats, it's available on Amazon.com. So if you want to get kind of daily updates on what I'm thinking about all matters boating, like the page on Facebook, which is uh, Facebook slash Slow Boat Sailing, or in the search box, Slow Boat to the Bahamas. That's basically my daily blog. If you go to the slowboatsailing.com website, you can get $15 off your next $200 purchase at West Marine. Just click on the orange box, which has the promo code WMAFF. You do need to click on the box to get to use the promo code, and uh, you can get that savings off your next purchase of West Marine. And I spend a lot of money at West Marine, and that is a great discount to get. So next week, we're going to hear about Trey Benefield. We're going to hear about his idea to buy a boat in the Eastern Caribbean and then sell it in Australia and make money doing it and having a great experience sailing with his college-age daughter. And we'll hear about their experience in a gale in the middle of the Caribbean Sea in next week Trey will say this about his experience with Panamanian agents. Basically an agent is somebody who has already bribed all the officials to get you in line. Goodbye for now. Have some fun on the water. This is Linus Wilson. Hi, I'm Jana Wilson. Thank you for listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Subscribe to our free newsletter at slowboatsailing.com.